For episode 3, we'll begin at 348c. And Socrates says to uh, Thrasymachus, Answer us from the beginning. Do you assert that perfect injustice is more profitable than justice when it is perfect? And Thrasymachus says, I most certainly do assert it. And I have said, why? Well then, how do you speak about them in this respect? Surely you call one of them virtue and the other vice. Of course. Then do you call justice virtue and injustice vice? That's likely, you agreeable man, he said, when I also say that injustice is profitable and justice isn't. Now, I want you to note that the use of agreeable man is probably some veiled uh, insult. You go then uh, just a little bit further, and Thrasymachus says, Yes, those who can do injustice perfectly and are able to subjugate cities and tribes of men to themselves... You, perhaps, suppose I am speaking of cut purses. No such things, too, are profitable when one gets away with them, but they aren't worth mentioning compared to those I was just talking about. So Thrasymachus wants to make a distinction between injustice on a huge scale versus the trivial injustices of cut purses. When we get to 349b, you have Socrates saying, well then, are you claiming, or are you saying the just claim, that they deserve to get better, the better of the unjust, and believe it to be just, or would the just not believe it to be so? And Thrasymachus starts slipping into the trap when he says, he'd believe it to be just, and he'd claim he deserves to get better, but he wouldn't be able to. So that is the real rope around the ankle here, and in some sort of Gilligan's Island uh, trap, you have Thrasymachus upside down by 349d. Here, Socrates is able to say it. Let us say it then, as follows. The just man does not get the better of what is like, but of what is unlike, while the unjust man gets the better of like and unlike. Thrasymachus says, what you say is very good, and that is, that is when he puts his head in the lion's mouth. We then move on to 350a, and you have these opposites between the musical and the unmusical man, uh, with the musical man being prudent and the unmusical man being thoughtless, and these opposites lead us to 350c, where Socrates says, then the just man is like the wise and good, but the unjust man is like the bad and unlearned. Rasmachus says, I'm afraid so. But we were also agreed that each is such as the one he is like. We were. And the just man has revealed himself to us as good and wise, and the unjust man unlearned and bad. Now Thrasymachus did not agree to all of this so easily as I tell it now, but he dragged his feet and resisted, and he produced a wonderful quantity of sweat, for it was summer. And then I saw what I had not seen before, Thrasymachus blushing. At all events, when we'd, had, when we'd come to complete agreement about justice being virtue and wisdom and injustice both vice and lack of learning, I said, all right then, let that be settled for us. So I want you to note that that little summary, he didn't come to this right away. He had to be dragged. He dragged his feet and he was resisting. That already sets up this mimetic representation of non-persuasion that we'll see throughout all ten books of the dialogue. So pay note of that as, uh, take note of that as you are highlighting. We're up to 351a. 
I asked what I asked a moment ago so that we can, in an orderly fashion, make a thorough consideration of the argument about the character of justice as compared to injustice. Surely it was said that injustice is more powerful and mightier than justice. But now, Socrates said, if justice is indeed both wisdom and virtue, I believe it will easily come to light that it is also mightier than injustice, since injustice is lack of learning. No one could still be ignorant of that. But Thrasymachus, I do not desire it to be so simply considered, but in this way, would you say that a city is unjust that tries to enslave other cities unjustly, or has reduced them to slavery and keeps them enslaved to itself? That's a whole lot of shade, is what I would say right here. I mean, like, what cities could we think of that might have done something like this? Oh, Athens, can we think of any cities like that? So, we get to 351d. For surely, Thrasymachus, it's injustice that produces factions, hatreds, quarrels among themselves, and justice that produces unanimity and friendship. Isn't it so? And this is going to set up this analogy between what goes on in the city and what goes on in the person. And uh, Socrates will carry this out uh, just a little bit further uh, around these questions of obligation and debt. So that by 352a, we have Socrates saying, then does it come to light as possessing a power such that wherever it comes into being, be it in a city, a clan, or an army, or whatever else, it first of all makes that thing unable to accomplish anything together with itself due to faction and difference, and then it makes that thing an enemy both to itself and to everything opposite to, to the just. Isn't it so? And so we have this, the symptom of injustice is faction. And those are powerful words for us in 2020. The symptoms of injustice are faction uh, and the inability for us to get along. So uh, you have Socrates carrying that back into the person when he writes, and then when it comes in one man, I suppose it will do the same thing which it naturally accomplishes. First, it will make him unable to act because he's at faction and is not of one mind with himself. And second, an enemy both to himself and to just men, won't it? So this idea that injustice warps your ability to act, that you're in fact paralyzed, um, caught in between choices, that that's also symptomatic of injustice. I think that could be useful to us as we're taking a look at the chaos around us. So we are now at 352C. Socrates is speaking. I understand that the just come to light as wiser and better and more able to accomplish something, while the unjust can't accomplish anything with one another. For we don't speak the complete truth about those men who we say vigorously accomplished some common object with one another, although they were unjust. They would never have restrained themselves with one another if they were completely unjust. But it is plain that there was a certain justice in them, which caused them at least not to do injustice to one another at the same time that they were seeking to do it to others. As a result of this, they accomplished what they accomplished, and they pursued unjust deeds when they were only half bad from injustice, since the wholly bad and perfectly unjust are also perfectly, uh, perfectly unable to accomplish anything. I say that I understand that these things are so, and not as you set them down at first, but whether the just also live better than the unjust and are happier, which is what we afterwards propose for consideration, must be considered. And now, in my opinion, they do also look as though they are on the basis of what we have said. Nevertheless, this must still be considered better, for the argument is not about just any question, 
but about the way one should live. So here we have Plato speaking through the dialogue, through the interaction between the men, saying, this is about how we should live. I think that is one of the takeaways that we're hoping you'll get from the, this shared reading of the Republic. So let's pause episode 3 at 352D.